Thinking Aloud, conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with parapsychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today, we'll be exploring energy healing. My guest is Emmy Vadness, an occupational therapist and author of Intuitive Development, How to Trust Your Inner Knowing for Guidance with Relationships, Health, and Spirituality. Emmy is based in St. Paul, Minnesota, and now I'll switch over to the internet video. Welcome, Emmy. It's a real pleasure to be with you once again. Thank you for having me, Jeff. It's always a pleasure to be with you. We're going to be talking about energy healing. And I think one of the main points that you make in your book is that when you begin to focus on intuitive development, healing becomes sort of a natural part of that. Yes, I think that... uh If a person is wanting to develop their intuition, one of the main ways is, as you have mentioned in many of your, with your guests and interviews over the years, is quieting the mind. And one of the classic ways, as we know, is through meditation, not that everybody has to meditate. Um, But once we do that, we can enter into the relaxation response state, which is the opposite of the fight, flight, or freeze, which can help us in so many ways in our life because it can lower blood pressure, get our cortisol levels down. Uh, We can actually lower our brain wave. You know, we think about in neurology uh, that everything comes from the brain. So we think about the brain wave states and we can move from those higher thinking, rapid thoughts to where the thoughts can slow down. In other words, most of us, as we go about our daily life, if we're not practicing some discipline, we're going to be a little bit hyper and a little bit anxious. And these disciplines, spiritual disciplines, meditation uh, in particular, but there are many other varieties, help to calm us down. Yeah, and I think that with everything that's going on in the world and just in general being human, it's uh, not always an easy uh, journey. And there are many stressors that we all encounter. And I wish that there were relaxation classes taught at a really young age. And I'm glad to see actually more of my colleagues who are bringing in uh, mindfulness, meditation, yoga, uh, Reiki is getting more popular. I'm seeing more practitioners getting trained in, ener- in energy healing as well. Uh, another form is Qigong. Um, and so, so there are teachers and healthcare practitioners. Uh, I work with uh, teaching a lot of occupational therapists for continuing education because I am an occupational therapist. And some of them are bringing these in at a younger age so that we can start out younger and have these skills for a lifetime. But even if you haven't had that benefit, um, really, you can enter into this at any point in your life. And I've even taught adults and older adults various meditation techniques and energy healing and um, caregivers of those who I've provided care for and it's really something that uh, that you can do anywhere once you learn some basic techniques. I know when I grew up in the 1950s and 60s, we were taught to be responsible for ourselves, to be good citizens, to be thoughtful, helpful people. But there was never any instruction about how to control or work with your own energy. Hmm. Yeah, I think that some of these concepts have come to the United States in the last several decades with um, 
transcendental meditation, um, yoga coming in. Uh, I was taught by a, a chiropractic doctor who went to China and he learned from Qigong masters. And that was 20 years ago. And so at that time, uh, there were very few books on energy healing. In fact, it's amazing the plethora now of how many instructional books and information. Of course, we have YouTube, like your channel, Jeff, um, full of so many great ways that we can bring these, these, uh, different ways of being more comfortable with ourselves into our lives. I think that a lot of people know what they can do to live healthier, but because, uh, at least in my practice and my clinical practice and my own personal life, that when we're more stressed, we tend to reach for something that will quell our stress and anxiety that isn't always the most healthy. And so if we can manage our stress, we can then actually make healthier choices in general going forward. And I'm not perfect with my health all the time, um, but, I, but I've definitely brought these practices into my life and they've helped me tremendously. Well, I think one of the very simplest and best techniques for managing stress is simply taking a few deep breaths. Definitely, yes. There is a fair amount of research showing that diaphragmatic breathing, also known as belly breathing, um, deep breathing, taking a nice full breath in and out can really in under a minute lower stress. And there are various forms of breathwork techniques out there. From the yogic tradition, there is pranayama. Um, when you and I talked last, I mentioned the Andrew Weil, the 478 breathing, which is sort of like, I think, his interpretation of pranayama for Westerners, um, but essentially breathing into the count of four, holding to the count of seven, and exhaling to the count of eight. So what we're doing is we're slowing the breath down and trying to have a little bit of a pause in between the in and the out breath, because when we get stressed, our shoulders come up. We breathe more shallow, um, probably preparing us to, to fight or flight or freeze so that we can survive. Well, I think, you know, paying attention to the breath is amazing because the breath is sort of the doorway between the conscious and the unconscious mind. Most of the day, we're breathing. We never stop breathing, even if we're in deep sleep, but only rarely do we breathe consciously. It's true. Breath is one of the functions of the body, to my understanding, unless there's new research that's come out, that you can, that can happen automatically and we can also have conscious control over. And you're right. So, um, getting into these altered states of consciousness or really just getting into a calmer brainwave activity state, being able to take some nice controlled breaths in and out. And ideally, also relaxing the rest of the body with each breath out um, so that you can really let the tension just melt away from the body. And when I'm first teaching people, I actually prefer that they lie down because it's easier for all of the muscles in the body to relax that way. And generally, when the body is more relaxed, the mind can be more relaxed. And I also... I don't, you know, I'm not suggesting that people just have to turn into jellyfish, <laughs> right? Um, but it, but we can actually enter into a more homeostatic balance where we are, um, able to be more in the flow, which is what everybody wants to be, I think, in life. Now, you can combine, of course, breathing with visualization. I know when I was younger, I did study Qigong, and you uh, there was an exercise where as you inhale and exhale, you visualize the qi energy circulating up and down the spine, sort of moving in a circle with each breath. 
Wow, Jeff, that's, I would love to hear more about that with uh, how you learned about that. But yes, what you're describing, it sounds like you're describing the microcosmic orbit. So that's circulating the energy from the, uh, at least how I was taught, is just below the belly button area at the Dan Tien, which is, I believe, correlated with the second chakra. And then you drop it down the front of the, the pelvic area, and then you go straight up the spine and you circulate it around. There's a step before that that can actually um, deepen that, and that's connecting with heaven and earth energy is sort of like the ocean, which I think is sort of the the universe, the multiverse that, of which we're all connected so that you can have that inner and outer cosmos. Um, but yeah, Jeff, I would love to hear how, how did you come across that when you were younger? Well, I, I had a Qigong teacher. Uh, my wife and I uh, had a Qigong teacher from China, as a matter of fact. It's a long story, and someday I will tell that that story. I think I probably alluded to it in, in a few monologues, but uh, actually, I I think your information is is probably more precise at that point. It's been 40 years since I uh, practiced Qigong. And you were saying that you, you bring in energy from heaven and earth. Yes. So that is the yin and the yang. And how I was taught was that we would we would be seated much as I am now and you are. We're, we're in a straight back chair and you would want to have your ankles. Well, first of all, you want to have your um, legs about hip width apart, and you would have your ankles, your knees, and your hips at about 90 degrees, and you would rest your hands in your lap comfortably. Now, I was taught that if you have your palms facing up, if you uh, that will help you to become more energized because you're getting that yang energy coming from the heaven down into the palms. And if you want to feel more calm, you can turn your palms face down and connect with that yin energy. And then you want to place your tongue on the roof of your mouth behind your front teeth because there's actually two uh, main energy channels that connect through the tongue and they also go around the mouth. And so you can just rest comfortably there and then you would want to imagine that you have a string just gently pulling you upright at the center of the top of your head. And then I was taught that we begin, although I've seen different people say different things over the years, but that you want to start by bringing your attention to the earth energy so that you can become rooted and grounded and connected to the earth. And then you can simply imagine that you have roots coming out the soles of your feet if you want. You can imagine you're a tree or a flower or a plant, or you can also connect with the vibration of the the earth's frequency so that you can then connect with that, which I believe is around eight hertz. And so you want to bring that up through the soles of your feet and you can also imagine anything that you would like from the earth. Maybe you want to feel more grounded, so you might want to connect with the soil. Maybe you want to feel cleansed, so maybe you imagine that water is washing through you. So you can visualize different aspects of the earth, and then it just travels up through the legs, and uh, much like a progressive relaxation, it's actually essentially what it is, but with the added uh, component of sensing the energy and the visualization and then going up also through the first chakra at the base of the perineum, the base of the spine, and then straight up through the center of the body. And then it also will go down and out the palms of the hands and then straight out the center of the top of the head. And then you want to imagine it about three to six feet around your body and then showering down around you, encapsulating you. 
And also when you're connecting with the earth energy, you want to connect with all of the qualities of yin energy, which is the uh, aspect of femininity, not necessarily in gender, but the qualities of yin, which would be um, more inward, um, dark, quiet, calm, receptive, uh, mother energy. In fact, a beautiful way to receive this energy is to imagine that you have a thousand mothers nurturing you and cleansing and caring for you as this energy moves through you. And it is a bit of a leap of a faith of imagining that you're having this energy move through you. And in time, you'll start to recognize where your consciousness can sense and feel the energy. And that is likely where the energy is flowing well. And then you can also sense where you your mind might start to wander or maybe you're just having a hard time kind of connecting it from one point of the body to the next. And that's often where the energy isn't flowing as well. And so you can go back and work on those areas and, and meditate a little bit more on those. And after you've done that, then you can visualize and connect with the heaven or the sky energy. And you can definitely bring in spirituality with that when connecting with the heaven. Not, not that any of what I'm saying isn't necessarily spiritual. I believe it all is. But if you want to bring that component in or simply connect with the universe, the cosmos, maybe some people visualize the sun. Um, I use that a lot. And when I'm doing my own self energy healing and also when I'm working with others is visualizing that white light or that sun. And then you just go in the reverse direction. And then now you connect with the qualities of yang energy, which is more masculine in nature, outward, um, action oriented, full of a lot of energy, more uh, vibrant. And so then you're bringing in this energy going through the center of the top of the head. And now this time it comes in through the palms of your hands and then up through the arms straight down the body, out the first chakra, into the earth, and then down the legs and out the soles of the feet. And then you can visualize it going down into the earth as far as you would like. And then it comes back up around you in a sphere all around you. And then once you've done that, you can, it's really beautiful to uh, imagine and feel these two, the yin and the yang energies mixing and harmonizing and balancing within and around you into that complete oneness. That sounds like a wonderful exercise, uh, not just for relaxation, but to awaken the powers of visualization, to awaken the ability to work with what I like to call the imaginal world, which is different than the imaginary world, and to uh, for purposes of self-healing. Yes, it's a great way to get in touch with yourself. And again, because I was mentioning that it's very much, I mean, the, the process is very similar to progressive relaxation. And that if you've, if you've ever done that before, or if somebody's new to that, it's essentially just focusing on various parts of your body and imagining maybe warmth in that area. Or you can do it in a mindful way where you're observing different parts of your body, maybe going from your feet to your head or your head to your feet um, and loving all the parts of yourself or at least shifting out of that self-judgment or that self-criticism. Um, and so that you can capitalize on on that relaxation response, but also it's a it's a, a big awareness strengthener so that you can connect with how you're really feeling within yourself. I think most of us go through the day who don't maybe have these practices, or maybe they're sporadic and it hasn't been a more consistent practice for you, not really knowing how we feel, or maybe we are kind of in that overdrive, fight, flight, or freeze response. And so 
by cultivating your energy, you know, maybe you do this once a week and maybe it's something that you incorporate more into your life. It usually takes about 15 or 20 minutes to really go through it and give it the amount of time it really uh, deserves for this particular method. And then, for example, in my life, um, I have my own morning ritual and this is something that I've integrated in with my exercise and stretching and and yoga practice so that I can really feel. Now, obviously, I've made a career out of healthcare and healing and have studied various forms of uh, body work and and it makes me think of acupressure because that then connects with the meridians that all of these um this energy connects to and where we can have certain blockages in our energy that we feel on a physical level. So then you can actually use your own fingers or your own hands to work with your own body to release that tension. Of course, it's lovely to go and have somebody give you an acupressure session or shiatsu or massage. Absolutely. And I think it's important to receive and be nurtured that way. But you can also, um, you know, learn various basic acupressure points for maybe tension, headache, upset stomach, um, so that you can you know, feel that you are more empowered in your life. I think that's the other piece is that I think a lot of times we reach for a pain reliever and sometimes those things are necessary. And by all means, get checked out if you're dealing with physical pain just to rule out whatever might be happening for you. But there's a lot that you can do um, in your own, for your own self with your own tools if you take the time to, to spend a little bit and, and learn more about these. Now, I know some of our viewers are going to sit down and try to do this and may even be doing it right at this moment while they're watching the interview and they're going to have a, a thought pass through their head like, this is stupid or I can't do this. Or, or, or what, what do you recommend when people have negative thoughts while they're trying to practice the exercise? Well, first of all, it's very normal to have all sorts of thoughts whenever beginning anything like this, or even if you've been doing this for, for many years or decades. And to also just be gentle with yourself. Um, Dr. Herbert Benson, who coined the term the relaxation response, one of his prompts is to have an oh well attitude if the mind wanders and to really drop that um, self-criticism or judgment and just to come back to what you're doing and to know that every time will be unique and new. Um, this is the beginner's mind. It's a beautiful place to be in the beginner's mind so that you can just sink into what's happening and to recognize that some of those thoughts um, are connected to emotions that uh, might just want your gentle, loving care and awareness. And that's a practice. That's, that's why I think mindfulness has gotten so popular. That's a, that's another very popular practice at the moment as well for that reason, I think. When you talk about gentle, loving care, it makes me think that very often we don't have compassion for ourselves. If if we have an ache or a pain or a muscle knot, some kind of tightness in our body, uh, we get angry at ourselves sometimes about that. Rather than sending love and compassion to that very spot, we send anger there. Definitely. And I think that this can then perpetuate the cycle of tension because we can have layers upon layers. We can be angry because we're angry. We can be sad because we're sad. We can judge ourselves for being too critical and judgmental. And uh, if you can just, 
you know, if you are feeling frustrated, um, I would encourage you to maybe place your hand over your heart or touch your chest and your actual physical heart. Heart Math Institute has done a lot of great research on how the heart actually has, I believe it's the largest electromagnetic field in the body, I think even more so than the brain. And I believe there's even research that the heart knows before the brain knows. And so if we can I know that's consistent for all studies, but it, it definitely is something to pause and to recognize that you have this intelligence within your own heart. And if you can connect with and just try to shift into the part of you that's loving, compassionate, and wise. And one way that I like to suggest people do this is to imagine how you are when you're with your loved ones. Maybe imagine or pretend that someone you love is in front of you. And that you're looking at them and how your heart might start to, to warm and feel more open. Um, if you're angry with all of humanity, maybe think of an animal. Uh, maybe you have a pet who you love or a child or a grandchild. Um, puppies and kitties work for, <laughs> for that as well to allow yourself to connect with the part that, um, is compassionate and is caring and recognizes that we all deserve and want and need love. It's the greatest healer, in my opinion. I'm under the impression, Emmy, that because of the pandemic and the new mutations of the COVID virus and who knows what next uh, will come down the tubes in terms of other viruses and other pathogens in the environment, not to mention uh, G5 electromagnetic signals and all the new chemicals that get poured into the environment, that uh, it's very important for us to uh, have a good, strong immune system that uh, protects us from all of these things, even when we're not thinking about it. And I'm, I'm under the impression that this exercise and the things we're talking about, just having compassion for oneself, is a way to strengthen one's own immune system. Yes. Uh, my thoughts turn to the great work of Dr. Herbert Benson and his colleagues and probably many others. Uh, he wrote a fabulous book, The Relaxation Revolution. And in there, he talks about how when we are under stress, that our genes express negatively for what we might have been predetermined as far as any illness or disease, mentally or physically. So if we can lower our stress, and his book also shows research where people who were able to, who had a disease already going on, maybe cancer or cardiovascular disease, and they were able to consistently work with and induce the relaxation response and then connect with the what's often referred to as the placebo and imagine themselves well, that there's statistical significance that these people actually, uh, many of them recovered from their diseases. And so when we see that the stress response is can cause all these, these negative, not only on a physiological biochemical level, but also in the habits and routines that we have in our lives and the choices that we make, if we can lower the stress and get into those relaxation response states daily and maybe multiple times throughout the day or a few times throughout the day, that we can actually protect the genetic expression and, uh, and perhaps prevent disease. And this seems correlated with a healthier immune system. So yeah, there's, there's a lot we can do. It's sort of like, um, 
fast food versus slow food, <laughs> right? Like it's easy to just order something up, have it delivered, and there are times that that's nice or go through a drive-through. Um, but there are, are times where it's lovely to go to the market and buy fresh local ingredients and get a favorite or maybe a new recipe and spend some time enjoying the process of the sensuality of the herbs and taking the time to be creative and then the satisfaction of, of enjoying the dish and maybe even with company or those you love. And so I think that the same process can be applied to some of these self-care techniques. Well, while we're working on self-healing, uh, a big interest of mine, of course, in parapsychology is the healing of other people. And I'm really under the impression that this very energy work we're talking about can also be used for what I say metaphorically, because I don't mean it literally, sending healing energy to other people. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. I mean, there's, I was just looking uh, and having my book that there's a uh, uh, Reiki study, and there was a recent Reiki meta-analysis that shows that pretty consistently we're seeing that it can lower pain, it can lower stress and anxiety, it can lower nausea, uh, insomnia. Um, and I think that we might even be at the tip of the iceberg of really what we can do with sending energy. And I, that this is something that I've used in my practice with lots of people over the years. And, uh, people definitely respond to recognizing where you're working on a particular part in the body and uh, messages and, you know, other things happen within that uh, realm as, as well. But it, it is something that is gaining more traction. Uh, the joint commission that accredit that, excuse me, the joint commission that accredits hospitals, JCO just a couple years ago, actually, now has made it that I believe every hospital has to have a non-pharmacological approach to pain as an option for people in hospitals. And so energy healing is a great modality that can be used because you don't have to touch a person. And hospitals, people are often having medical procedures and surgeries. So when I was working in the hospital doing this, Sometimes you couldn't touch somebody because they had just had surgery, um, but we were still able to statistically lower stress and pain um, in even under 15, 20 minutes working with people using energy healing. Well, I know it's mind boggling, but I also know that for the last 40, 50 years, there's been a lot of good, solid research, double blind studies on distant healing. The idea that when you visualize it, you're sending healing thoughts, healing energy, healing light, healing vibrations to another person at a distant location, it seems to have a real effect. Yes, and I've uh, actually my first experience providing distant energy healing was to a family member's horse. And now this was just, you know, one singular case uh, with, but with this scenario, meaning that I didn't have 10 horses where I tried to do this with, with the same issue. Um, but in a, and I forget exactly what was going on with the horse, but it was, that might have had some pain and maybe it was um, not moving well. Maybe it had been seen by the vet, but they, there really wasn't anything else that could help the horse at the moment. Um, or maybe they hadn't even gone to the vet yet, but they just kind of in a joking way said, Emmy, do you think you could send some energy healing and see how this affects my horse? And I did. And I focused for about 10 or 15 minutes and sent 
energy. I felt I was connecting with the spirit of the animal and I felt that it was receiving it. And within about two days later, this family member called me and said, my horse is better. I don't know what you did, but my horse is better. And now one could say, well, that horse might've gotten better anyway. We, we won't know for sure. But that's something that, that I've done as well. in um, people right in front of me, close proximity, and then also uh, distant energy healing. In fact, uh, many energy healing practitioners do that. Like if they have a, a client out of state or out of country, and uh, many people report that, uh, and, and I've experienced this where what I'm what I'm picking up on, um, and I would generally ask the person, what did you notice in the session? Uh, it generally correlates with what I was picking up on, meaning how they were feeling, emotions, locations in the body, and uh, how they felt before and how they felt after. I'm under the impression that this talent to do distant healing is widely distributed across the human population. There, there are going to be some people who are just so stressed out, in fact, that uh, if they try to do it, they'll end up uh, having what is sometimes called a brown thumb effect if they try to do it on plants. The plants may wither if, if they're very stressed out, full of anxiety and depression. But if they're working on themselves, if they're doing good energy work and they're feeling love and compassion for themselves, then it's a very natural, normal thing to be able to share that with other people, even at a distance. Definitely. And I think that the phrase, you know, positive vibes, sending you positive vibes are all in this realm. Prayer, of course, would be in this realm. And uh, as you so eloquently said in uh, the live stream that we did, talking about prayer, is it kavana, the spirit with which you pray? So that's also what I've noticed with energy healing. And that's why I meditate. In fact, I do an abbreviated version of the heaven earth that I described earlier to connect so that I can be a really good conduit and a channel and that I'm in a more neutral loving state so that I'm not, uh, so that I'm limiting any transference and countertransference so that I'm, I'm not projecting. I'm less likely to project my feelings or my beliefs onto somebody else and I can be as much of a pure channel as possible. And I'm under the impression, Emmy, that when you make this sort of thing a daily practice, it works even better. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what... <laughs> Very much so. I think that's probably true for like playing an instrument or anything somebody wants to get better at, that the more that you do it, the better you get at it. And I've had the great honor and privilege to work with many, many people over the years. And so... Uh, I kind of liken it to that the instrument that I have played is the human body or the human soul, spirit being, um, working with so many people over the years. And that what I've also done in one, and my main spiritual intuitive teacher taught me to trust my intuition, which is the main component in energy healing, meaning that if I doubt it or block it, I'm not going to receive those messages. I'm not going to get the insight that's that can communicate to me as effectively. And so I've been able to, um, through working with so many people, just set aside any fear and doubt. And I would get some of the most... Uh, wild images, words, and I would sometimes say to my clients, I, I don't know why I'm getting uh, um, a leopard, but for some reason, a leopard is coming in right now. And do you know what that means? Does that have any relevance to you? Now, of course, there's, we can look at symbolism uh, for 
animals and and maybe there's some application there, but I'd like to check in with my clients to see if that might be relevant. And maybe they said, oh, I, I've been wanting to go to the zoo with my niece, but um, I was a kind of on the fence, but now that that's giving me validation that I'm going to go ahead and go to the zoo. Or maybe I was just at the zoo and it's wild that you picked up on it. So those kind of things have happened um, very frequently. So I think that because I've received that immediate validation, it strengthened my intuitive abilities. And I think with energy so that I can be more comfortable and confident with it and then just go for it every time I'm working with somebody and be less shy with sharing what I'm picking up on. And I think it flow. then I think it just flows more effortlessly. Well, you know, I can imagine that some of our viewers might be looking at you right now on the video and they're saying, yeah, she can do it because look at her. She dresses beautifully. She's a very attractive person. She has a beautiful environment around her with flowers. Everything's perfect. But I, I know that in your lifetime, uh, you had your own struggles. We talked about it briefly, but it, in, in the past in our first interview, but it's worth reminding her viewers that uh, you had you had to work your way out of some very difficult emotional spaces well and thank you for those very beautiful and lovely compliments Jeff that means the world to me and you should have seen me an hour before the interview <laughs> with my hair not done and no makeup but at any rate um, Yes, uh, my life is not perfect. Uh, well, it is. I mean, one could argue our lives are perfect, but of course there's things that, that we all want that maybe we feel are lacking or maybe we have grief and loss and maybe we just lost a, a really close loved one. And, and so, of course, we go through cycles in life where things can feel very up and then they can feel very down. And what you're referring to, Jeff, is when I was a new occupational therapist and uh short story is that I got burnt out and there were other aspects of my life, uh, home environment. Uh, my childhood home was being sold and I wanted to buy it, but my mother wouldn't sell it to me. And then I was in a relationship with somebody who I thought I was going to marry and, and we split up. And so really all major fronts of my life, I felt like I truly felt like the rug was pulled out from underneath me. And I think it was. And in hindsight, I really contemplated it a lot over the years. I think that it had to in order for me to dig deep and for me to connect with what I'm sharing and what I'm talking about. Because if I hadn't, I would have just kept going along how I was in life and um, I wouldn't have been able to reap the benefits the way that I am now. I don't think that everybody has to go through the dark night of the soul for that to occur. But in my case, that seemed to be what was needed. <laughs> and often, sooner or later, everybody has a really bad day or a bad year. In, in fact, a lot of people have had a bad year this past year. Yes, with COVID this past year, many people have had major changes in their lives financially, with work. Um, many who are parents who are trying to juggle working while taking care of children. I mean, it really is a real struggle for everybody. And then it's the many people, not to mention, um, have died. Uh, many people have lost loved ones. Some people are, whether you believe in the pandemic or not, it's real. Many people have lost a loved one or maybe they have... Um, 
Maybe they have symptoms themselves that they're not able to fully recover from, from the hypoxia, where they weren't able to get the oxygen to their brain, and maybe part of their their brain is not functioning as well. I've heard of stories where the people are not walking or walking as well, and all sorts of various um, ailments that are happening. And I think we're we're really um, just beginning to understand what can happen from all of that. And so I think that because I had gone, I've gone through a couple dark nights of the soul in my life, but um, this past year wasn't one of them for me. Uh, the same way I think it has been for a lot of other people. But I think that having had gone, having have gone through it, I think that um, uh, I can share more with others. And one of the things that happened for in my practice is that I haven't seen a client in person for about a year now. However, I've been working with people remotely and my continuing ed classes have really increased. So more healthcare practitioners are reaching out and they'll say, you know, I really wanted to get into more, more into holistic and integrative health. And now finally I have the time and I'm really going to go for what, what I want to do now. And so I think that, um, perhaps for some people, the silver lining of COVID is that I think it's given us all an opportunity to really ponder and reflect upon what really matters the most to us and what do we really want to do with our lives and with what we were doing previously is it really what we wanted to do was it in alignment with our heart and soul which I which is why I wrote my book I think that the more that we can connect with our intuition and our inner knowing which some people are connected to it and just don't always listen to it because they realize they might have to make changes in their life and I think COVID did that for us so it set people up to go ahead and maybe find uh, another way to be in their life. Well, it's good to see the silver lining in every cloud. And Emmy, it's been a great pleasure to be with you and to share your wisdom and your skill with our viewers. I hope we have many more opportunities because I know you have much more to share. And I look forward to a, a time when a large percentage of the population are practicing these energy healing methods because uh, it'll be good for everybody. It'll be <laughs> another version of what, what people talk about when they talk about uh, herd immunity or the benefit of vaccinations widely. I'd like to see a widespread practice of energy medicine. I'm sure it can only be good. So, Emmy, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me, Jeff. My pleasure. And for those of you watching or listening, thank you for being with us.